Hi everyone, I'm an addict named Howie. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been kind of counting speakers in, so I'll, I'll make sure not to go long. <laughs> um, so I'm really, really thankful to have this opportunity. Um, thanks to the convention committee for asking me. Um, I had no idea. I was invited up to help with the audio and recording uh, quite some time ago. And uh, that was that was it. I was happy being behind the scenes. And about three weeks ago, I got an email um, inviting me to share. And uh, so here I am. And how interesting the topics, uh, and and especially the, the the reading portion of the topic. Um, because without hearing that, I was gonna, you know, probably um, probably talk a great deal about my eighth and ninth steps. And uh, now I'm, I'm, you know, thinking a little bit more about something that's uh, more current and more, more relevant um, to an opportunity for me to think about self-acceptance and uh, and forgiveness in a bit of a, a bit of a different light. Um, I guess I'll identify a little bit first. You know, uh, beyond I'm an addict named Howie. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I came up in a in a relatively, you know, um, functional household. Dad worked. Mom was an incredible homemaker, and uh, I'm the youngest of nine children, so good Catholics. Um, and uh, so I was always I was always treated a little bit, um, a little bit like. Uh, with a little bit of preference, I guess, by my mother. I guess the baby always gets that preferential treatment. I don't know. I was on the receiving end of it, and I liked it. Um, anyway, I learned early on. Um, I learned early on that uh, that I could I could have uh, people accept me because you know outside of my family, I didn't really feel accepted by my peer group. My parents were older when I was born. My dad was 53, my mom was 49 when I was born. And uh, so by the time I was 10, he did not want to take me to baseball or, or, or hockey or any of that stuff. He was done, he was tired. He had eight kids that he had done that with. And, uh, and so I, I never really had that opportunity to kind of bond with my peers. And so I learned at around the age of 10 that if I had money, my friends would want to hang out with me. So it was about arcade games at that time, like nine, ten years old. So I would steal money from my folks and, and I, would, I would be the guy, I would be the guy that had the quarters for the arcade games and, my, and people wanted to hang out with me. And so I realized that having things, all of this stuff, by the way, I only know through step work. Um, I realized that, that by having things, I, um, I would attract people into my life and you know somewhere around the, the, the wonderful age of 12 I um, you know I found the ultimate way to change my feelings was by getting high you know and and that started and it continued for a very 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 long time we all know how that story ends we come to an NA meeting right um, so in recovery um, not long after I got clean, I, I became involved with uh, with a young lady in our uh, 
in my home in our home fellowship back in Central Nova, and uh, and um, you know it it seemed it seemed quite wonderful and it seemed quite uh, it seemed like a really good fit and we get along great and we still get along great, um, you know it it didn't have the legs to last now. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of self-acceptance and forgiveness that happens, I think, in the course of any intimate relationship. And I don't mean romantically intimate. I mean any intimate relationship. I think we're, we're sort of challenged to, you know, to look at our role in things. You know, at least, at least I was. And... Um, through the course of, you know, through the course of the the, the, the life of that relationship, um, you know, there, there was many times where I felt like, Jesus, man, like you you didn't come into recovery to be, be a doormat, you know, don't be a doormat, and I'd have all these crazy stories going in my head, and thank God for you people and my sponsor. You know, for being able to kind of ground me and say it's always, you know, tell I was, you know, you tell me that it's always me, that I always have to look at my role, I always have to look at my piece, and that got me through, and that got me over an awful lot of humps in that relationship. Um, it came to pass that that it that it didn't last. It didn't have the legs that it needed to go on, and uh, in early June of this year we parted company and uh, and so you know you, you move on but it's difficult to do in a small area right you move on and you try to you try to avoid each other and you try to do uh, you know you try to do those things that allow you to maintain a little bit of self-preservation um, <clears throat> so <laughs> Now, I'm not that recovered, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm not that recovered. It goes like this. Um, uh, within a pretty short period of time, she started dating somebody who got, who got clean with me about a week behind me. And, uh, and that hurt. I felt betrayed. I felt betrayal like I haven't felt in such a long time. Now it's bullshit, and I know it. I know it's not real. I have no business being concerned with anything that they're doing. Nothing. But I can't stop the feelings, right? I can't stop the feelings. I'm, for the record, I'm doing okay now. But we'll go back a month and it's uh, it sung. And it's sung every day. And I went into that foolish obsession look. I'll tell you, <clears throat> my dad had a little friggin' white poodle dog and I had well the family had this kind of mangy Heinz, Heinz 57 and the little white poodle dog would always get he was like the baby of the family he always got the preferential treatment he always got you know the best bone from the table he always got the best leftovers from whatever and for a minute I uh, so if he had if he had the pork chop bone and the old mangy dog major God love him if he, you know, whether, whether the little guy wanted it or not, as soon as the other dog made a move toward it, he'd lose his mind. He'd go, he'd go nuts. He'd just, you can't have that. That's mine. 
<coughs> there's, a, there's a pretty powerful analogy to my story there. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's about a sense of betrayal. And uh, that's, while that's not a primary emotion, it definitely, it definitely isn't terribly far from it. And I've done a lot of work with my sponsor and a lot of work in Step 8 and 9 around identifying, you know, the, the place that this is coming from. And instead of looking at, it, looking at it as the challenge that it's been, you know, I have to look at it as an opportunity, as an opportunity to put into practice, maybe for the first time, you know, an act of forgiveness against somebody. And, and this is stuff that comes to, for, with me from the street. Like, you just don't do that. You don't mess around with your buddy's woman. doesn't matter if he's with her anymore. Right? That's dead world bullshit. I know that. Intellectually, I know that. Emotionally, I couldn't stop feeling betrayed. And I had to work really hard. Um, so, Narcotics Anonymous is the, uh, is the vehicle that I used to get through that, you know. And I hung on, and I didn't share it at meetings because, you know, again, it's, it's a small fellowship down there, right? You know, and uh, it, it, I, felt, I felt like I was being isolated. I felt like there was this division of them and me. And, you know... I, I didn't, I, I kind of, I lost a little bit of my identity when that relationship ended. And, and so that coupled with the, that, you know, that feeling of division, I kind of isolated a little bit, you know. Now I have, I have three sponsees that I work, that are, all three of them thankfully are working the steps. So <clears throat> that was a really, a really powerful lifeline for me. Um, you know, one of them is on the tail end of the first step. One of them just finished step six. And, uh, and another chap is just starting step three. So having the opportunity to, uh, to go through those, uh, you know, we meet usually every second week or whatever. But again, I, I say that because it's, it's the principles that are buried in the steps that, that kept reminding me, this is not yours. You know, this is... You're, you're, you're powerless over these feelings. You know, how you, you, you don't have to act out in this way anymore. You know, just because you're feeling this way, you don't have to display that behavior. I hope that at some point when, when I'm, you know, 20 years clean or 25 years clean or whatever, that, that those feelings don't even enter the equation. That's my hope. My hope is that the feelings don't even enter the equation. That I'm just able to separate what's right, and leave it, you know. Um, I'm not sure in, in what way that I'm going to... I don't know how I'm going to make an amend to this gentleman because I know that he's felt some of what I felt, you know, um, but the opportunity will present itself. I know that my higher power will make that happen, you know, I will, uh, I will just have to be, 
you know, vigilant in trying to stay out of the way and just allow that process to be exactly what it's supposed to be. You know, I have faith in, in the program. I have faith in the way that the... Uh, I have faith in the way that, that the steps are laid out in such a magnificent progression, you know. So I'll let that time come and I'll let that happen without trying to control it or force it or manipulate it or make it mine, make it about me because it's not about me. You know, I owe, I owe him an amend. You know, I've, uh, I've said some things under my breath that I really wish I hadn't. You know, um, I've had some thoughts in my heart that I really, really wish I hadn't. My sixth step reminds me constantly that it's not me that's responsible for making these things go away that it's with the cooperation of my higher power you know, that I get the opportunity to start looking at the world through a different set of eyes. You know, I don't have to be that guy anymore. I don't have to be the... You know, you know what I mean? I don't have to be that guy. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit heavy, kind of. Um, I feel better, though. <laughs> I'll tell you that I feel better. I was holding some of that shit. Wow. Ah. Ah. Yeah, I feel better. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really plan on coming in here and dumping any of that, but. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, so I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna close up with a with my thoughts on step eight, step nine. They're both living steps. The list is alive. It's constantly growing. No matter how vigil, vil, vigilantly I work step ten, I'm still adding names to eight and I'm still looking for opportunities in nine. And I suspect that will be the way until I draw my last breath. Um, but having the opportunity to be part of the process, you know, is I just keep, I keep seeing new, new parts of my personality. Um, you know, really with each passing day, with each passing trauma, like I just described, with each passing opportunity, I see different parts of my personality as I think they probably really were before I realized that I could buy people, you know. And I don't want to be that guy, <clears throat> I don't want to be that guy anymore that has to go around thinking that uh, in order to have you in my corner, I need to buy you. I need to have the quarter for the arcade game, or I need to have the money for the dope, or I need to have the dope on the table and say, come on, let's party. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I just, want to, I just want to be wanted and accepted for who I am. And it's through the process of the steps and learning how to forgive myself for crying out loud, you know, that I'm able to do that. Um, yeah. I love Narcotics Anonymous. I've been of service since the minute I walked in the door. And... Uh, I, I, I just I just don't know how to express my gratitude enough. So I feel like I feel like the actions that I take I, I want those to be a reflection or an expression of my gratitude. So if you're ever in the East Coast, 
you know, um, you know, come to shelter from the storm. We meet religiously on uh, uh, 7.30, Monday and Wednesday night, <laughs> and uh, we're on the meeting list there. So I'll be happy to give every single one of you a hug. Thanks for letting me share.